I'm actually pretty excited about today's episode. I get to introduce you to my partner and my best friend in a way our audience has not experienced. Many of you have reached out to us and asked how we have so much zen and peace. And I wanted to share part of our relationship transformation with you guys. So buckle up. Here we go. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. The other day, Charlotte and I were driving in the car and I asked her, what do you think was the pivotal moment in creating your inner calm? Because as we have shared, inner calm was not her normal old state. Mm -hmm. As we were discussing this topic, Charlotte shared how NLP has changed so many of her beliefs and how changing those beliefs has brought her so much more inner peace and acceptance of differing situations. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I want to interview you on this topic and I want to do it on our next podcast episode. <laughs> so today, our intention is for you to take this journey with us on our own personal transformation, and more specifically, how challenging and changing your beliefs and thought habits directly impacts your relationship and also your inner peace. Yeah, I'm excited about being able to share this with all of you guys. I think what we are going to share today is, of course, so relevant to marriage, but it also applies to every single relationship that we have in our lives. Absolutely. But before we divide, dive into these thought habits, let's introduce to our listeners to NLP once again. Okay. So would you share a brief overview of what NLP is? Sure. So NLP, or Neuro Linguistic Programming, is a field that encompasses a lot of different tools and techniques for personal development and also for effective communication. Mm -hmm. It's like this treasure trove of knowledge that empowers people to be able to reframe their thinking patterns and to help them overcome limiting beliefs and also to just be able to develop deeper, more meaningful connections with those that they love. Absolutely. And, you know, incidentally, this is the modality that created so much significant change in our personal relationship. And that's why we use it first with our clients, because it's it, it makes managing conflict so much easier once we first dealt with people's baggage and their own negative patterns of thought. Yeah. If you don't unpack your baggage, you're just destined to trip over it. Yeah. And so I first became a student of NLP like over 12 years ago. It's been that long. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. And then I became a master practitioner of NLP and eventually a trainer. And then you joined me. And we started certifying other coaches and neuro-linguistic programming. So that's kind of the, the gist of what it's about. Okay, so let's get into it. So we're driving in the car the other day, and you said, I just no longer feel the need to be right all the time. I'm okay with having other people feel and think differently. Mm -hmm. So when and where did that shift happen, and was this because of your NLP training? Well, it had a lot to do with it. And, you know, the thing is when you're raised with very rigid thinking um, as I was, yes. as there's there's really only one way of seeing the world. Everything's very black and white, right and wrong. You aren't allowed to really think differently or be differently. 
other than how you're told to think and told to be. There isn't room for really anybody else at home to have a, a, a unique or different perspective. And, you know, you either conform to that or you rebel. And so as a teenager, you know, in my teenage years, I did my fair share of rebelling for sure. And then once we got married, now I was faced with how to handle differences of opinions. Can't rebel. I can't really rebel so much against you, right? You're not my mom. (laughs) So, like, that's very different than just being a rebellious teenager. But here we are with these differences of opinions and being only 19 years old when I got married. Oh, you were such a baby. I was. And I only knew what I had experienced to that point. So, you know, that was a very controlling and manipulating female uh, with a husband who she kept in line through a lot of manipulation and contempt. And in those early years of marriage, it was usually you doing all of the, you know, conforming. You were usually the one placating to my, my wants, my needs my traditions, my ideas, and that's not so good for relationships. So that started to create some problems and some resentments. And some distance, probably. And a lot of distance, you know, a lot of disconnection between us, and reasonably so. I mean, what would be the point for you to even share your thoughts or your feelings or your needs with me if they were going to be instantly shut down or, or crushed, right? Well, we obviously know now that successful marriages are those where both partners Mm -hmm. are willing to accept and learn and receive influence one from another. Exactly. But, you know, back then. Yeah, back Right. Then. It was never a thought that maybe I was wrong or that maybe you had a valid perspective. That just didn't even enter into my thinking habits. Yeah. I mean, and, and that has a lot to do with just how we're raised, right? It's it's just this one thing. And we've talked about that lots of times. So, so how did that change? Like what, what changed with you on that? Yeah, and you know, I think the major shift happened when I when I took my first NLP introductory course. Mm-hmm. And one of the first concepts you learn is something called the model of communication. And it explains that how how we receive information that comes from the outside world and how we process that information and then how it influences the way that we communicate and we respond to others. Sort of like filters? Mhm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so here's here's an example of yeah. how it works, right? So say you go to a concert And you imagine at a concert, there's going to be lots of different stimuli that's coming in through the five senses, right? Right. Right. Music, you hear people talking, singing, screaming, laughing. There's lots of things to see. There's tons of people. There's the vendors, the lights. Maybe there's a fireworks show. You have lots of things to smell and taste. And maybe someone brushes up against you and you feel them, you know, and you feel them next to you. You know, so all of these different things become very overwhelming to the nervous system. I think you say, what does it usually say? It's like drinking from a... It's like, yeah, so basically you're just drinking from a fire hose. There's just no way you can take in all that information or all that water from a fire hose, right? Right. And so something has to make that information more manageable. Your conscious brain just has a max of what it has a capacity to be able to take in. Right. And here's where it gets interesting. So estimates are that between 2 million and 10 million bits of information are happening around us every second, but we can only take in about 126 bits of that 2 million plus information. That's a big fire hose. That's a very big fire hose. So think of it this way. This is kind of a good visual for me anyway. Imagine you have a big five-gallon paint bucket, right? And you okay. fill That's that with, and you fill it with M&Ms, the little M&Ms, the chocolate M&Ms, not the ones with the peanuts. The in little it. ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a lot of M&Ms. And it was filled up to the top. That would be thousands of M&Ms, right? And then let's say you and I both put our hand in there, we swirl around the M&Ms and we grab one M&M. What's the chances that we're going to pull out the exact same M&M from that bucket? Yeah, that's pretty low. 
right? Yeah. And then take that and repeat that every single day, every second of every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, what What are the odds that we're going to grab that same piece of candy over and over again? So better odds winning the lottery, probably. 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 And the same is true in life, right? Yes. We capture different pieces of reality. No one captures the entire picture. If you and I had attended that concert together, we would have totally unique and different experiences of that concert. And the same is true in everything in life. The chances of you and I having the same perceptions, the same experiences, the same emotions, the same solutions or beliefs about any given topic, it's just never going to happen. Well, we're different people and we all see things differently um, just in the way we interact. And, and imagine, you know, when we're on that drive and you say, look, the light changed. And I said, well, I was looking at the, you know, what I noticed was there was a car that was coming. That's why I stopped, right? So like it's all this just different perception. And we get different information. Absolutely, right? yeah. And when you accept and you live by this way of thinking, then suddenly there's no need to convince someone else that I'm right. That that need to do that just sort of disappears. It becomes a moot point since n not one of us has a complete picture of reality, right? None of us have a, a, a God camera, if you will. Can't see everything. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now let's let's drive this in. How did this? How has this changed um, our relationship? Well, I think knowing this and believing this allows me to be able to be more influenced by you, which we know is important. Right. It helps me to be more curious about your perspective. If you think about something different than me, it's like, okay, sweetie, that's okay. That's cool. So you know, that's not my experience. That's not my perspective. But I'm so curious about how you see this this way. So tell me more about that. And I love that because it, it goes back to just, you know, remain curious, always mm -hmm. just be trying to figure out why instead of instead of jumping to conclusion. Or demanding that your way is the only way, right? Absolutely. As I used to. So how has this sort of changed your relationships in other areas of your life? Well, you know, you know, I was kind of a hothead back in the day. Really? I would yes. I would have engaged in a in a pretty heated debate trying to prove that my idea was the only correct one. But now that I understand how we all have a different version of reality, it's it's a lot easier for me to be more tolerant. So right. am I am I perfect with that? No. 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 None of us is. Right. And sometimes, of course, when it comes to certain topics that I'm really passionate about, it's extra challenging, of course. But overall, I think I just stopped getting offended. When someone else has a different perspective, I mean, what would be the point of getting offended anyway? That would be like arguing over why my green M and M is better than your M red M and M, right? They're both good. They're both valid. They're both equally good. Yeah, and I think the other thing that this helps with is there's, you know, a lot of musts and shoulds, and you know, musts and shoulds are very inflexible ways of thinking. We must do or we should do. Well, according to who or according right. to what? Right. Yeah, like what, what gives you that background to say that we have to do it this way? Right. We must or we should do it this way. And, and certainly we all have our moral preferences or our moral expectations. Right. But it's not okay to think that other people should or must behave uh, the way that we think that they should. So isn't that, that really is the problem that we get into when we expect other people to act and behave the way that we want them to. Right. Especially in relationships when we probably purposely sought out somebody who had a different point of view from us, yet we spend our entire relationship, me trying to get you to conform <laughs> to my ideas, and then you trying to get 
me to conform to your ideas. And it seems to be this long-term battle. Exactly. Especially when we, like you said, picked out somebody from the beginning that was different for special reasons. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So by changing this long-held belief, um, my way, one-way solution, and accepting that different perceptions are normal and natural rather than threatening, it helped you find more inner peace and happiness in your relationships? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is, you know, it's interesting because realizing that the majority of the beliefs that we have actually come from the early years of life between the ages of zero and seven. Think about that. We really didn't choose the majority of our beliefs. They were handed to us. They are our default thinking. They're, they're, it, they're beliefs that someone else installed. Some, and some of these beliefs that we carry really bring us a lot of unhappiness or poor coping skills. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for example, if your parents were, if, if your mom or your dad or your brother and sister were afraid of dogs, you would be raised zero to seven mm-hmm. thinking that all dogs were something to be afraid of. Right. Right. And then we go through life being affected by those beliefs. And right. so, you know, the thing is to remember is that we have the power to change those beliefs to something that's a lot more empowering. Yeah. And we have the, we have the power to challenge those beliefs. Yes. Especially if they don't serve us. So... Are there other beliefs that you've changed other than this, other than the ones that we've talked about? Yeah. And I think another um, huge shift in my thinking was realizing that my judgment, which of course was also strong in my home growing up, Uh that my judgment of others had a lot more to do with myself than it did with the other person. Oh, I like this topic. And we call this perception is projection, right? Absolutely, yeah. In fact, my my reaction to someone else is really just an awareness of something within me. And that's and that goes both ways, right? It's kind of like a theatrical performance. As you watch actors and their interaction, you're you're kind of drawn into this world and you're experiencing this range of emotions with them. And then in some moment you realize that their performances are all just projections of characters and their roles and their emotions. And Similarly, in our interactions with other people, their perceptions and their projections reflect their inner world. It, it's as if we're all living in our own personal theater, projecting our beliefs, our experiences, and our emotions out onto the world around us. Okay. Perceptions, projection, we know we've talked about that. Um, so, but how does this work in real life? Hmm. Give me a real life experience of this perception as projection and, and how that, and that kind of just works through this. Yeah. So obviously the work that we do doing this podcast and and doing, you know, reels and videos on social media, we put ourselves out there a lot. And every week, you know, we hear all sorts of comments, mostly good, but you know, it's like the range is from you've changed my life. You're amazing. You're brilliant. You're incredible. You're spot on. That's something called positive transference, right? But at the same time, there's the other people that say, I hate you. You're stupid. You're an idiot. If I were your husband, I would have left you years ago. And that's negative transference. And it's all just projection. And whether someone views me positively or whether someone views me negatively, I recognize that that's their projection. That's not necessarily a true reflection of who I am. It's just me holding up a mirror, right? I'm just holding up a mirror for them to be able to see their own reflection. It's not a judgment of my own worth. Um, you know, but to really take on that belief, we have to become neutral about every perception of us. 
the yeah. both the good and the bad. And that's the hard part, um, especially about judgment. It's the negative is really somebody's just negative perception of you, right? Which comes from their inner world. Which comes from their inner world. But the positive <laughs> should carry as much value. Right. That's also a projection of their inner world and therefore neither have anything to do with me at all. They both are completely about the other person, not me. Yeah. That's the hardest part sometimes I think to get to yeah. for me. Yeah. So in the context of us, what has that done for you and for us? Well, I think for me, we'll start with that. I think it's helped me to um, kind of break free of the chains of seeking external validation um, and, and just to kind of stop worrying so much about other what others might think. And it gives me also a lot more compassion for those who view the world through such a harsh lens because that just is an indicator that, you know, of, of how painful their own inner world is. So I think it helps me to have more compassion. But at the flip side of that is that anything that irritates me about someone else is my mirror, right? That's them holding up a mirror for me to look at. And and that is me looking at myself, maybe my own injured parts. And my own irritations is just something I need to learn or heal within me. Yeah. So how's this played out in our relationship? I know you're going to get to that. So with it, with us, and I love this question because I choose to believe that we tend to attract and marry the person that mirrors exactly what we need in this life. I think so. And, you know, that that's if we're willing to learn what it is we need to learn. I think Carl Jung said it best. He said something like, we marry our unconscious mind and then project out onto him or her all of our own unresolved stuff. All of our stuff, yeah. You know, so our spouse is our most realistic mirror of ourselves. And that's what makes... That's the part of marriage that's challenging. But that's also why there really isn't a better personal development tool than marriage. It's through my relationship with you that I've had to become a better person, that I've had to be able to go back and heal some of these old triggering wounds and to tame old behaviors that weren't healthy in a relationship, you know, to be less reactive, to be more gentle, to be more loving. Yeah, and those are the things that I've noticed over the years just how you slowly moved away from some of those old habits. This change is, is a thing that takes practice, you know, continuing to just realize perception is projection, understanding that people have different points of view. So like each of these steps really just takes time to master it. And I'm certainly, I haven't mastered that. And I think we're still just working. I think on it's it. a life journey. It is. And, and you thought marriage was all about love and romance and maybe sex, but welcome to your master class on personal development and growth. Yeah. So, um, all these projections, they're controlled by our conscious or unconscious mind? Yeah, so the unconscious. And the unconscious mind is truly amazing. Um, it is estimated that our unconscious mind is 30,000 times more powerful than our conscious mind. Okay. So not only is it running the body, protecting the body, preserving the body, keeping us safe, it also maintains a black box record of every memory we've ever had. And it holds our deepest-seated beliefs and our unaddressed negative emotions, Uh-oh. which are going to continue to project out onto other people in our lives until we can finally find resolution for our past. And I love this idea. This is another big aha mo- moment for me that I learned years ago is that we really should thank other people in our life for triggering us for playing a role in our personal theater because that's what allows us to grow. I love that idea, but I don't know 
how many times we can thank somebody who triggers us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, that's the life journey. That's the life journey. All right. And so what happens if we resist this growth? If we just say, you know what, it's good enough. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Well, that's when the unresolved baggage just keeps reappearing. And I'm sure we've all had those experiences in life where we keep getting entangled ensnared in the same reoccurring patterns over and over again by, you know, the people that we attract into real life and the problems we keep recreating. And that's just our unconscious mind continuing to present these old wounds, these unprocessed emotions and these self-limiting beliefs again and again. So I think it was Deepak Chopra that said, you gain the lessons of second grade and then you graduate. And if you don't, you repeat the second grade until you get it. So if we don't get the lessons, if we don't get the learnings... We just get to repeat the patterns. Okay. And so life is pretty much the same, right? It is. It's the same. Yeah. Life just keeps giving us these amazing opportunities for learning and we can either hurry and get the lessons or we can be destined to just keep repeating until we do. So we can hurry up and learn or we can keep resisting the growth. Got it. What's one last life lesson that you've gleaned from NLP that's brought more empowerment to your life? I think one of the greatest themes of NLP is that empowerment comes from taking personal responsibility. I am, what's the quote that Mel Robbins oh, says? That no one's coming. No one's, no one's coming. coming to make you happy. No one's coming to fix a relationship. No one's coming to get you out of bed. No one's coming to get, get you to work out. And yep. no one's coming for you to make your life more meaningful. No one's coming. Yet. No yep. one's coming. Yep. And, and that's personal responsibility. You know, it's kind of like, you know, imagining you're on this ship and you're out at sailing the ocean and all of a sudden you realize you're the captain of your ship and you're responsible for charting the course and navigating through the challenges and getting, you know, through the storms and getting you to your destination. Adulting is hard. Yeah, sometimes, you know, and personal responsibility is what is always going to guide us towards any meaningful change in our life. But to do that, we have to stop blaming other people and we have to stop blaming circumstances. And that sort of reminds me of what our kids never liked hearing from us, which was like, well, he made me mad. Like, well, honey, no one can make you mad. That's right. You're in charge. You're in charge of your own emotions and you decide whether or not to be mad, angry or frustrated. And they never liked that lesson. They didn't like that lesson. No. But I don't think anybody really likes lessons. You know, there is a moment I remember and I was just thinking about in my life when I had to recognize that. No one else could make me change or dictate how I was going to feel. And my reactions to you uh, were my responsibility. I had these patterns of contempt that ran generationally. You know, they ran deep in my life. And I had to realize Robert wasn't the problem. You weren't the cause of my triggers. I did that. I created that. No one can make me feel bad or sad or make me mean or you know, make me feel small, my emotional state and my reactions are my responsibility. And hey, is that easy? Is that an easy thing to always do? Is it is it easy for me even now? No, yeah. you know, that's, that's that another life journey. Doesn't sound easy. It's a life lesson. Yeah. We just keep working on it. Yeah. But we can either have results or we can have excuses. And, you know, we can't have both. And that, that was a scary moment for me to realize that I couldn't blame somebody else or expect someone else to fix it or expect someone else to be responsible for my happiness. But that's what empowerment is. That's I love that. Is. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that today. That was well, fun. We can let our old software keep running our life and our emotions on autopilot. 
the way we have since we're a small child and we first learned them, or we can take charge, change our software, create a new course, and navigate our life and our relationships. Exactly. This week, you may wish to challenge your existing thought patterns and consider whether a shift in thinking might help bring some more peace into your life. So thank you for joining us today. If this episode resonated with you, remember, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and always be kind to each other. Take care of each other. Put each other first. It's the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.